Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. in the basement my name is chris his name is craig uh craig almost killed me there he doesn't realize that he did uh because for some reason the brand new studio that we have here it's still not 100 percent when it comes to the audio and you my friend listening to you in my headset you sounded normal remember i told you like i have to turn things up to be able to hear you remember when, yeah. I, when I said that to you yeah. and when you started the music it was so damn loud that i i may be dead <laughs> It's possible I died. I, 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 are you there? I can't hear you very well. Oh, you can, you can hear the music, but you can't hear me. That's, oh, my that's... God. I mean, it was brutal. Like, I, I still, I mean, there's too many things going on. If you don't know about it, I'll kind of fill you in. There's a reason I wasn't around last week. So, like, I have, I, I, for six years, the broadcast basement has run off of a laptop, like a really good gamer laptop. That's why it's able to, like, process things. But I, I wasn't sure how I would set up an entire studio at a nine foot homemade oak bar. So I was like, laptop makes a lot of sense and I might need to be mobile. I might need to go places. I want to be able to bring it wherever I end up going. And now six years later, I really don't need that because I have like a mobile studio and there's more things that we've been able to buy. But at the time it was kind of, you're starting a company. You try to, you try to be a little frugal. Well, on Monday, working on some production in the studio, all of a sudden some stuff stopped working. I was like, that's weird. Then I got on the phone with tech support and then other stuff stopped, started disappearing. And then all of the audio, like an entire drive, everything we've ever done in this studio for every podcast on the network all just disappeared. And I was like, uh-oh. And I brought it to a computer like tech place that I always use. And I walked in the door and the guy goes, we'll take a look at it and see what we can recover. And I guess the battery inside the laptop had exploded. And oh just God. like the movie, just like the movie Aliens, like when you shoot the alien and then the <laughs> alien blood eats through every level of the ship, right? And you're like, uh-oh, because it's just going to keep burning through. The acid from the battery had burned through one of the RAM drives right into the D drive that had like two terabytes of data on it, okay? And was just burning through the laptop. And so they were able to save almost everything. Like it was, it was phenomenal what we were able to save and put it on an external hard drive. And then I had this custom studio from Sweetwater, which is a national company. I think they're based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, that they put together. It's a production studio. Now it's all here. Some of the stuff isn't done yet. Like I, now it's not a mobile thing. It's like a, it's like an actual production studio. So the underneath of the bar is being built out where I can rack all the different, like, uh, you know, server units and everything else like that. And some of the inputs are a little different. So talking to you, 
I was getting you really soft. You played that music though. It came through so <laughs> loud. I, I mean, like there are so many bugs that need to be worked out. I'm just happy that I'm able to sit here and talk to you this week though. Yeah. I mean, you, you might be deaf for half of this and, and, you know, may have to, you know, stretch your ears a little bit to, to hear me, but yeah, I, I apologize for that. I guess I was just excited. I just, I just checked my ear to see if I had blood coming out of it. Like that's how bad it hurts. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just excited that the pirates actually made a move, Chris. So, I mean, I, I didn't know I'm what to do with too. myself. Here's, here's all I want you to do. Promise me before you hit the ending music, you warned me. Okay. okay. I mean, like, the end is here. The end is here, Chris. Just give me like a second to rip my headset off before you hit the button. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You listen, I roll this cabin. Ten and a half million dollars. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'll tell you my initial thoughts. Okay. My initial thoughts were, you, you have a closer, and ten and a half million dollars for a team that's so frugal that throws around nickels like their manhole covers. It seems like just the odd place to spend ten million dollars on a single guy for a team that has so many other needs. So that's my initial knee jerk reaction to it. I know nationally, a lot of people just think that this is the Pirates signing a guy that they can flip. But I don't think that's the case. I think they want to compete. What do you think? I think that I, I have to take a, a step back for a couple of days because, I mean, Jason Mackey sat down one-on-one -on -one with Bob Nutting, which is not something that happens very often. Yeah, Bob will get up usually at the beginning uh, of every season. He used to do it like at spring training. They'd have a day away. And it wasn't like really he would, you know, he'd answer questions, but it was more of like, you know, almost like the State of the Union address. It was like the State of the Pirates address. Um, but he actually sat down with him one-on-one -on -one down in the uh, Dominican Republic when they were doing some of their international signings, uh, graduation ceremony for the, for the kids down there. And basically, I mean, Nutting kind of didn't go in on Ben, ben Charrington, but he, he didn't give you know, his GM, like a place to hide very often. And, and I just want to read some of these quotes here for people. I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure. This is interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that, Catch you know, me up. Catch me yeah. up. I've been busy. I've been busy with wires and gadgets and trying to get things going. I think I'm a little out of the loop. Catch me up. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's probably, you know, read this by now or seen it, but it, some of the questions that he was, you know, how he feels uh, this far and, you know, where they're at in the off season. And he basically says, I wish we were further along in this off season than we are. I've seen how hard general manager Ben Sherrington has pu pushed. I've seen how close we've gotten to some deals, but we're only halfway through. I think there's still time. There's still lots of work to be done. I think Ben understands the expectations. And then he goes on to say, Ben has room to make moves that we need to make based on what is at that point in time before signing Chapman was around a projected $68 million payroll to start the season. So, I mean, he kind of put Ben on the spot there, but it also gave us a look behind the curtain a little bit that, you know, Ben came out during Pirates Fest and said that he's made some offers. He's made, you know, some two-year deals, you know, multi-year deals that haven't worked out. Uh, the Pirates uh, were mentioned in Imanaga, who ended up signing with the Cubs. They mentioned with Sean Manaya, you know, who ended up going elsewhere. Um, 
but that, you know, he knows what the expectations are. He knows that there is more room to spend. So I definitely saw a move coming, but uh, I mean, I completely honest here. I found out this news basically from my, my brother-in-law who texted me and said, what do you think about Chapman? And I happened to be there watching a, a, a show with the kiddos. And I was like, what? And then when I saw how much money it was for, I kind of did take another double take because I mean, you do have Bednar at this point in time. I, you know, Chapman has been used in more of a setup role and for you to basically go out and pay, you know, one of at least the, you know, average annual value, one of your biggest free agent contracts of all time to a reliever when you are still looking for starting pitching you could be looking for another catcher, as Ben Charrington said. You could be looking for, you know, another position player, whether it be, you know, somebody in the outfield or somebody who plays, you know, both infield and outfield to, to give it to Chapman. And, and it seems like, Chris, like this is like the Pirates offseason in a nutshell is that, you know, in in a vacuum, each of these moves that they've made, I can't say they're bad moves because I basically said, you know, Chapman still has something in the tank. 103 strikeouts last year uh, in <laughs> in not that many innings. I mean, for a reliever, I he, and he's still pumping 100 miles an hour, has one of the best, you know, uh, whiff rates in, in, in all of baseball last year. So to me, it's like, yeah, why $10.5 million for a reliever? <laughs> If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. I'm looking at the free agent list, I'm looking what's available, and I'm also looking at available players that are out there, because what I caught from what you were saying is that if nothing's frustrated, he also wants to see a lot more done. He may also be frustrated not just in free agent signings. He may be wondering why they can't pull off a deal. You have so much value sitting on sitting in your system right now. You have so many prospects available. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I watch the big-name guys that are sitting out there. You want to add a pitcher? There's a couple names that are sitting out there. Shane Bieber, possibly available from the Indians. I called them the Indians, the Guardians, okay? Uh, Dylan Cease with the White Sox. I mean, all we keep hearing is that, like, everybody wants him, right? The Yankees want him. The Orioles want him. But nobody can come up to the price. Can you imagine getting a guy of that level who almost won a Cy Young, who's got two more years, 
under contract and he's only worth $8 million this year in his arbitration number coming over and solidifying your rotation for the next two years? Like, that's the kind of guy that for a team that's not going to have $150 million to $200 million payroll that needs to find really high-end pitching in their starting rotation that you could get because you can afford it with the prospects you have to be able to go out and make that deal. So I wonder if it's not just going out and signing guys, because I don't know if you want to put that on Charrington. Everybody in baseball is having a hard time signing guys. It seems like the the Major League Baseball teams are out there right now saying, we're going to wait till the music stops and some of these players realize they don't have a chair yet and they have to take the best offer that's out there to them. Like, I think you're going to see so many signings in the next couple of weeks from guys that are just sitting around out there thinking they were going to make a ton of money and are not. You know? I mean, what, what was the big offseason story? I was telling a friend of mine this. The big offseason story when they were when they were doing the World Baseball Classic, okay, was just uh, was was Timmy Anderson coming off the bench. And he had a terrible season with the White Sox. And the White Sox decided that they didn't want to to pick up his 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 number. They just basically bought him out, I think, for like a million dollars and let him become a free agent. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy that some people thought was like a high-end, you know, all-star caliber player. He's been in the all-star game multiple times. He's he's the guy that when they did that first game ever in the cornfield had his big moment that was out there. It was like one of the moments of the season a couple of years ago, right? Nobody signed him yet. You know, you look at uh, Matt Chapman's out there. Nobody signed him yet. Okay, there's so many names out there on the free agent list that haven't been signed because they're not getting the offers that are being that they thought they were going to get because they see themselves as being at the top of a, of, of a position in free agency. Well, Major League Baseball teams are just saying this is a really bad free agent class. There's nothing that exciting in it. And so it's this game of chicken now between the players and the GMs out there that are offering them contracts. And the GMs, I think, are saying there are so many options out there. At some point, one of these guys are going to fall to me. I don't need to overpay. And so that also could be the frustration. So I think, one, it's a slow market because the talent level isn't that great that's left in free agency, but there's a ton of names out there that all want to play baseball next year. They don't want to sign minor league deals, so you're waiting on them to realize that you may be their best option. And then the trade market as well still sits out there. If you want a frontline starter, if you want a guy that's sitting there 1A and 1B with Mitch Keller, there's a name or two out there that you could. you just have to spend some capital. Do you think Pirates fans would be willing at this point to give up some of the names that they have in their current system to have a guy come walking in that would help them right now in their rotation, especially if it was for two years at an affordable price and you could bring in that high-end talent? That's that's the question. Do you think he's talking as well about trades? Well, I mean, the one thing he did say, Chris, and, and here's – I mean, I think as Pirates fans, especially myself, like even as a prospect fan and a person that watches these players – is realizing even my favorite prospect, even if they're at AAA or AA, that a established major league baseball player is more valuable, especially to a team that says they're going to compete and is hopefully going to compete in 2024, 2025, 2026. It should mean more. But there's the other part is that, you know, Bob Nutting was also burned you know, by the previous uh, GM and Neil Huntington, because he comes out and says, we need to make this team better now and make sure we're not mortgaging the future going forward, that we're not making decisions when we're giving up so much talent in a trade that we end up watching former pitchers thrive elsewhere. So, I mean, I think that he's seeing like, you know, a Tyler Glass now signing um, with the Dodgers. And as, as much as Tyler Glass now has been injured and hasn't pitched, 
I mean, when he has pitched, he he's in a very effective starter. Um, seeing Joe Musgrove, who, you know, we always saw the potential in him, but seeing what he became um, when he went to San Diego, once again, even though he ended up the year uh, on the injured list uh, to end this season. But I, that's where the thing is. It's like, I mean, Bob is saying, okay, there's more money to spend. We can look at trades, but I don't want to trade the future too much. And I believe that, like, at least when it comes to, like, certain players, like, Bob Nutting, you know, would have to approve those moves. Um, Just like when they traded Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, even though it did bring back Brian Reynolds, I mean, Nutting's on the record afterwards that he pretty much, like, had to approve that move being made. When there's certain contracts being signed and how much money it is, I mean, I, I feel like... That's the weird part with Bob Nutting is it feels like that he's he's delegating power, but even with some of his comments, it feels like that he's, you know, micromanaging the team to a degree. So, I mean, I really don't know. I mean, myself. This is his plaything, though. That's the thing. This is his plaything. He's a billionaire. This is his toy. You know, I mean, it's his toy. I mean, hey, look, if I were a billionaire and I owned a baseball team, as much as the fan base would not want me to be involved, I'd be very involved because I own it. Right. I mean, like, I mean, it's stupid. He really shouldn't be involved in baseball decisions, right? Like, approval should be simply Ben Charrington walking in and explaining to him why we're making the move. And unless it looks like Ben Charrington was hit in the head and has lost some of his faculties, him going, all right, Ben, I trust you because that's why I pay you to do what you do, right? Like, that's all he really should be involved in. But every owner's like that. Steinbrenner was like that with the, with the Yankees. Oh, these owners, this is their toy, Craig. This is they 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 think about like what you invest in. Like think about all the guys that invest in like you know I I need the latest uh, video game system. They get their PS Five and they upgrade the thing and they you know they and they get themselves really into something where they got to build up their character or build up their their baseball team or their football team that's on there or stuff like that. And that's their toy. This is his toy. This is what he entertains himself with. He has a baseball team with a big giant stadium in it and a minor league system. And, you know, he can pick and choose who he surrounds himself with. And the ones that he chooses to surround himself with tell him that he's doing a wonderful job. I would do the same thing if I were a billionaire, right? I mean, like, that's how we would act. So I get it when he says I want approval, right? I mean, I get his reasoning for it because it would be my reasoning for it. I don't know if I particularly enjoy it. You hope that that is more of a rubber stamp type thing or, if, if it, or you know, you got to convince him. But if you can give a good argument... He's not going to get in the way because he stubbornly just likes some guy's jersey. Like if he was a fanboy, I'd be more concerned, right? If he was like if he was like Cohen out there with the Mets, who's a pure fanboy, I would think he's more difficult to be a GM for because you know he's involved in everything that's going on out there, and he may actually get attached to a guy even more than Nutting is to Andrew McCutcheon. And yeah. So like that, like but I, I I'm I'm always surprised when people are like shocked that like the owner wants something to say. I get it. Okay, because the the world is littered with billionaires that may have done very good in real estate or shipbuilding or whatever got them their billions of dollars. And they're not actually very good at baseball. They're just about as smart as the guy that's at the end of the bar that's had too many to drink. And he's spouting off about something and it makes no sense. There are owners that are just like that. So I get it. But on the other hand, it's not foreign to me. It's not strange to hear an owner basically say, yeah, I'm involved in all this stuff. I guess it's just strange to me because, I mean, it just feels like that, I mean, we talk so much about it. Maybe, you know, some of our, you know, assessments of, of Charrington, I'm not Charrington, but Nutting could be wrong to a degree because, 
it seems like he's extremely, you know, hands off, but it feels like that he is a little bit more hands on than we think. And, and, and has to, like you said, approve some of this stuff. And like I said, I don't blame him. I mean, he's the one that, you know, in the end is writing the check, but once again, going back to this, if you're at 68 million and, you know, you say that there's room to add stuff, I just can't see to me and, and I think that they do want to contend, but I think the other piece of this is that, you know, Charrington is looking at, you know, if we sign Chapman to this deal, you know, what did Chapman bring back for the Royals last year? Uh, they brought back a lottery ticket, but they also brought back somebody who is, you know, was put right into the rotation last season is going to be in their starting rotation this year. So it's almost like him hedging his bets as well. Right. I, if they get out badly, if they get out badly, he has something that he can move. Yeah. And, and here's I, I the thing is, and, and, the, and, and a reliever, I mean, especially one who's performed, you know, as well as he has. Um, obviously had a bounce back year last year because everybody will say, you know, well, he signed, he only signed for, I think, like uh, three and a half million, you know, with the Rangers last year. Um, but he was coming off of, you know, a couple rough years with the Yankees. I know he did make the all-star team in 2021. I mean, but kind of looking at that, Chris, we look at whip. Um, he had a 1.314 whip in 2021, a 1.431 whip um, in 2022. I mean, people, even if you're looking at ERA, it went from 336 to 446. And then in his time with Kansas City, the ERA was 245 and the whip had come down to 1.227. But more than that, I mean, the the strikeout rates went, you know, through the roof. He was Kang you know, over 16 batters per nine innings, you know, walking a decent amount as well, but kind of started to show his dominance again. And for a team, this is where like, I I don't know, I'm going to go off track here a little bit for a second, but to go back is it's also weird because I mean, we say like one of the last things you build, you know, in you put together in a rebuild is the bullpen. And it kind of seems like Chapman would be the type of move that a team would make when they were like, more on the 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 doorstep of you know that that rebuild and and you know our was actually had a year of you know competing and then now they're looking to contend um so maybe that's a good thing i don't know maybe ben charrington maybe their assessments of the players might be that they are a little bit further along i mean it's tough when you don't have that full starting rotation, but we also haven't seen, you know, Rowanzi Contreras, Luis Ortiz, Quinn Priester pitch at all um, and different type of stuff. And like you said, there, there still are so many uh, free agents out there. One of the other targets, one of the people that we were attached to James Paxton seems to be going to the Dodgers um, almost immediately after the Chapman news. But I mean, you still have, if you're going to go in the free agent market, you still have a, like a Clevenger, a Michael Lorenzen who are kind of falling into that mid tier pitching that the pirates have been attached to. That would be, those are some names that you probably want to pick up. They have that ability. And I think that what you're trying to describe and, and, and what I'm gathering through this thing is I'm kind of piecing together as we're talking it out. Is that I think the pirates philosophy is very simply, we don't want to touch our prospects because of the way that we spend money. So they're probably not interested as much in trades, which makes it very frustrating because you have to now wait for the market to present a pitcher that you can slide in at this point, right? But 
it also the the Chapman deal kind of backs up the fact that they don't want to trade prospects because what you're doing is you're saying we're going to go get the the guy in the bullpen we're going to need down the stretch if we're good now so we don't have to go trade prospects to pick that guy up before the trade deadline and then if it doesn't work out we'd rather get rid of him than the Turner we'd rather it be the other way around and so that's why they probably invested 10.5 million into a single player coming out of the bullpen because they'd rather spend their money that way and continue to hold on to prospects and gather prospects. Like, if it doesn't work out, they gather a prospect. If it does work out, they don't have to spend prospects to get a Chapman to add into the bullpen, right? So, I mean, like, in the end, what they're really doing is they're they're, they're in a constant state of prospect protection. Yeah. And, and, and that's why they're probably not mentioned with all these other teams that are looking to add pitching when – we're talking about, like, for example, like a Dylan Cease, who really is at the top, like nationally over the last two months. Yeah. The number one name that everybody's waiting to see gets who, who he gets traded to because he's got a sweetheart deal. Okay. You got two years of control of $8 million this year, whatever his arbitration number is the next year, which will only be a couple million more. Okay. And you look at the fact that Paxton just signed for $12 million with the Dodgers and he hasn't pitched over 100 innings in like four years. Like, I mean, like, like, seriously. So, like, like what, what, what Dylan Cease is worth, I mean, like, and you would think not only is every team interested in him, but teams that have budgets should be interested in him. That's why he keeps getting tied to the Orioles if you're paying attention. Yeah. It's always, they, they always keep coming back to that. They got a bunch of prospects, but they don't want to give them up. The, the, the Pirates must be almost worse than the Orioles in terms of prospect hoarding because we're not even hearing the Pirates name ever mentioned with that, right? But he would yeah. make perfect sense for them. So, I mean, I think that I, I'm now of the understanding that it's prospects first with this club because of the financials. They don't want to move them. And that's why the Chapman deal makes sense because you're, you're making the move in advance that you would have to make at the trade deadline. You'd rather peel him away and get something for him than have to go out and give something to get a guy like him at the deadline. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of, it kind of fits. I mean, and the other, cause the other piece is that, I mean, even in these types of rebuilds, um, you fill your holes at some point in time. And, and it seems like that each year, uh, whether you like it or not, that's, that's kind of what Sherrington's doing, hoping that other guys will step up, giving guys landing spots. Um, you know, even if it's towards the end of the season, I, like I said, I still need, I still will say, and we've been saying this for a while is I still just need one more starting pitcher because I mean, injuries will happen. We, we don't know exactly, you know, what Marco Gonzalez, even though we've seen him work out a driveline and he's throwing a baseball. I mean, he did have a seizing ending, you know, nerve injury surgery last year. Um, but I mean, like I said, we're also kind of like discounting, you know, the role that some of the younger players that have come up and, and, and the roles that they will play. Um, it, it's just weird to me that it's such a, a fine balancing act. I think Chris, you described it as, you know, threading the the thinnest of needles or something or eyes of the needles at one point in time. But to me, like, I just feel like he's, like you said, he's hedging his bets trying to get garner prospects instead of trading prospects. He did say at Pirates Fest at one point in time um, that they had some offers on the table, but they turned those offers down. 
Um, so there could be something because we've seen what the ask for, at least, you know, from the, the Reds was for Cease and a lot of those prospects were towards the top of their lists. A lot of the guys towards the top of our list um, on the Pirates are, you know, close to the majors, maybe things that they're looking at. And it may not be something that, you know, Charrington's willing to part with. Well, uh, I, I mean, I look at his list and I look at what was proposed for Cease. Yeah. And and what and what they're asking for. First of all, the the Pirates don't have the right fielder. That seems to be something that they really want. Like the White Sox are looking for a big outfield prospect, like a corner outfield prospect that can play some defense and can hit. Like that's that's what they seem to be looking for. They have the second base prospect, but yeah. I guarantee they're asking for Tamar. Like he's he's definitely on the list of what they're asking for and they're going to want to replace some pitching. And they may not they may not be asking for schemes. But they're probably asking for like Solomedo. Yeah. So like they and they'd be asking for they'd be asking for Tamar and Anthony Solomedo and possibly something else that would be in the outfield. I and, and I don't think that the Pirates even have that. So their ask is gonna be because that's what they're asking. I mean that's what they're basically saying. They're saying we can hold them forever. One of you will get desperate enough to pay for it. And when you're talking about a team like the Pirates, who we're describing as like they really don't like gutting their system. I think that that price is so high. That's why we haven't seen them connected. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the problem. Like, I mean, if this team were closer, let's say this team was a year further on and assume that the team makes the playoffs this year, even as a low seed. Yeah. All right. And the hype is there. And Bob Nutting's giving interviews that he's going to invest some more money into it. The payroll's going to go up a little bit. All right. And they're bringing in a couple of difference makers. And we had this offseason going on right now where Cease was available at that low cost. Then I could see the Pirates being in the, in the discussions, right? There's so many what-ifs right now. This team that was hot at the beginning of last year could come out and be flat. Yeah. You know, we could sit there and say, well, there was all this potential and they were ahead of schedule. And guess what? We're back on regular schedule now because we took a step back. Okay. I mean, I, I hope that isn't the case. That's what their job is to do is to try to prevent that from being the case. But I think that I think you you have to gut your system so much to go get a guy like that. He makes sense if you're saying we think this is one of the best chances we've had in years to win a World Series. Then you sit there and you make the move. Then you sit there and say over the next two years we think this is the widest our window has been in decades. We're gonna go get him because we can we we don't have the money to go get a guy at 25 million a year that's a pitcher who's gonna want a six year contract, but we'll do it for the price of cease for this two year window and we'll give up some prospects to go get them. Okay. But I don't think it makes sense in the current state of where the pirates are right now, because they would, they would be gutting their system a little bit to get them. Yeah. And the other piece to me, Chris, I mean, just before we, we head out here, I'll give you the, maybe like a, a five minute and actually maybe a two minute I just countdown my headset. Here. I just moved my headset to a different part of my body. I'm not it's- telling you where though. <laughs> it's just basically to me is that, I mean, I hate that, you know, they, I don't know if I hate this, it's a bad way, but let's just say the end of last year, they only had two starting pitchers. They were running like three to four bullpen games. We've seen teams, you know, operate in that vein to a degree is that if you bulk up your bullpen, you are kind of more set up for those types of games and they be and they could be looking at this, and this is just me spitballing, saying that you know they are going to run out, you know, Marco Gonzalez, Mitch Keller, and and Martin Perez, 
And then if one of the other guys doesn't work out, uh, they're going to leave a spot open for Skeens to land at. But then the other thing's just going to kind of be a, they're going to be bullpen games up until that point in time, because towards the end of the season, they actually, you know, were uh, above 500 baseball team when they were doing that. So I I don't know. It, It could be them saying, you know, if we do sign another guy, that's great. But if we don't, Let's get a bullpen guy in there, bolster the bullpen, and we can shorten games that direction. I think a guy like Mike Clevenger or Michael Lorenzen becomes somebody that shakes loose that they're able to get. And I think you could see them all of a sudden turn around and grab like a Johnny Cueto, you know, or even Vince Velasquez on the return. Could be something that could happen as well. Okay, there's still time. Okay, we just got to wait and see if it shakes out. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say.